Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 10 to 18. If you were not here last week, you, you, can, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch it there. But I encourage you to watch it because this is spiritual warfare. I'm preaching and I'm teaching because people need to get this right. I realize that a lot of people don't get this right. They don't understand this. And we understand that this is not denying the fact that people have demons. But, but we, if we fail to understand the very concept and the very thrust of God in spiritual warfare, then we always walk around thinking spiritual warfare is about the one or two or three or four people that have got demons that are sitting in the church. And that's not the case. Amen. I mean, you, if, if that is the case, then you will forever be trying to cast out demons in the church. All right? You bring your little, uh, what do they call it? Little buckets. You bring a little bucket to church. That's the truth. These things go around, come around all the time. So you bring a little bucket to church because you're going to bring the demon up. Well, you can do that every week. When are you going to stop? Right? Because the, today it's this, tomorrow it's the next day, next day, then you may as well just walk around the bucket tied around your neck and <coughs> bring it up all the time. All right? I didn't see Jesus walking around with a, with a demon bucket saying, so, okay, bring the, the, bring the demon up. He cast the thing out. Amen? Come on. And when Jesus dealt with a man, it says he was sitting in his right mind. But here's the thing. When Jesus cast that demon out of the man from Gadarenes, remember, he had four to 7,000 demons because he had a legion of demons. Because Jesus said, what's your name? He says, I'm legion, for we are many. Now, a legion was in the Roman concept between four to 7,000 soldiers. So this guy had 47,000 demons within him. There were so many that the demon said, look, cast us into the, don't cast us out of this place. Cast us into those pigs. You know the story? It's in the Bible. And so, so what Jesus does, He casts them into the pigs. Now, now a demon is so low that a pig doesn't even want it, that they actually ran off the edge of the cliff and committed suicide. That's what happened, right? So now, now I'm not saying you must go commit suicide because you're not a pig, right? But here's the point, is that when Jesus deals with it, He deals with it. But here's the other side of it, is that in that place of Gadarenes, when Jesus deals with these demons, what happens? The whole town come out to Jesus and they ask Him to leave the place. Why? Because of exactly what I said last week. Because they were happy to live with that mindset influenced by demonic oppression. They were happy to live with those demons influencing them. They asked Jesus, we don't want this stuff here. We don't want you here because we acknowledge that we are so used to demonic stuff happening around us. We are quite happy like this. So please leave. You can read it in the Bible. Because ultimately what Satan is after is not to just get one or two people filled with demons, but to get you to willingly worship Him and willingly think the way He wants you to think. Are you with me tonight? So that means that every single day of our lives, we got to get our thinking right, not walk around with a demon bucket. Right? So, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm telling you now, a lot of people are in false doctrine. Because it becomes a psychological issue. If I have to cast a demon out of you every single day, you have a psychological issue. Amen. Now nobody here. Amen. 
Have you cast demons out? Yes, many. Many. But, but, but you don't have half the church sitting with demons in them. Now, a lot of people want you to think like that. Right? Oh, you looked at that person. No, you must have a demon. No, you don't. You just need to slap on the side of your head, right? Uh, like the pastor said to me, because he was tapping his foot, it must have been tapping his foot to like a uh, 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 stairway to heaven. <laughs> okay, all right, Black Sabbath. He must have thought, no, I've got, a, I've got a demon of rock and roll in my foot. No, you never had a demon rock of rock and roll in your foot. You've got rhythm in your heart. You just made it a demon because you want, <laughs> come on. Now, I, I, if the truth is don't listen to some music true but let's not get off of kilt here of center and lose our focus on the cross because that's what Paul the Apostle says in Galatians 3 now now I'm not even on my notes yet but he says to the Galatians he says who has bewitched you because here is the true bewitchment in Galatians 3 who has bewitched you that so that you should not obey the truth you can even throw the scriptures up there all right who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And so what Paul the Apostle is saying is when you move your eyes off the cross, when you move the eyes of Jesus, when you move your eyes off who Jesus is, what He has done and the freedom He brings and the power He brings and the deliverance He brings, we actually end up in a place where we are bewitched in our minds and that we are controlled by demonic activity. But when you put your mind back on Jesus, amen, when you put your mind back on the cross and the power of who Jesus is, I'll tell you what, you will stay free. It does not mean that you won't fall. does not mean that you won't be tempted. It does not mean that you won't have a difficult time, but you know where to go to, to stay free. You know what Jesus does in your life. Amen. You don't have to run to a pastor all the time to cast the devil out of you. It's when we take our eyes off the cross, when we take our eyes off Jesus, that's when we get into trouble. Amen. All right. Now, are you saying that no one has a day? I'm not saying that. I'm saying for us to stay free, for us to live in victory, we need to understand the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of His, of His authority. Amen. So let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, let me just give you a little break here. Because, uh, uh, and, and if I get to the ladder tonight, that will be a miracle. But anyway, but he says, he says that you put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. The word here, the Greek word is antihistamine. You know what antihistamines are? Antihistamines are those little tablets you take when you have an allergy, right? So, so what happens when that allergy comes, the antihistamine comes against the allergy. Come on, where the, the pharmacist here? Can I see you? Am I right? Come on. You can check me out, uh, Joe. Okay. That, that's the truth. So, so he says that you've got to take the antihistamine of the armour of God. When the enemy comes at you and he throws allergies against you of doubt and defeat and sin and, and uh, incompetence, etc., all those things, when he throws those things at you, what rises up is the armour of God 
God, which is the antihistamine. That's the word the Bible uses. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles means the schemes of the devil. The, the reality is this. Look, the devil has schemes against us. Mm. That's the point. Is that we all think differently. I, I think some of you realize that on Wednesday night when we did spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Father, we are made differently. Whilst we may have, many of us have the same type of gifts, we are wired differently. Our schematics are very different because God says the very hairs of your head are, are numbered. He knows your fingerprints. He knows everything about you. We are so unique. We have, a, we, have, we, we have the schematics, but here's the issue, is that Satan with his demonic forces knows exactly what are the things that he will try and he will use to trip you up. The word wiles are schemes. Schemes. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day. Right? So he says, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand antihistamine, the same word. You want to sneeze? <laughs> you sneeze the devil out. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I like to stir because uh, I know what's going on. You know, the fact is this, look, he says that you, you, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What it means here, in the evil day, there are times in that, that particular scripture is referencing certain times. There are certain times it's like the whole force of hell will come against you. Not every day. But there are certain times that you will experience a much greater intensity. Now, I believe that these last two years against the whole world has been an evil day. I mean, I think the devil tried his best and they're still trying, they're still doing their thing through men, trying to shut down the very voice of God. They won't win, they cannot win. Amen. So it's an evil day. Sometimes against your life, even against your, your, your family, your business, your life, there's an evil day, a period of time that the enemy comes against you. You wake up one day and it's like bam, 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 and it's the whole day. And the next day you wake up and it's bam, bam, bam. You wake up, bam, 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 and it goes on for days at a time. I want to tell you right now, it's an evil day. does not mean that you have a demon, but the enemy is trying to wear you down to surrender to Him. We've got to make up our minds. We will not surrender. We will not back down. No matter if you failed, if you fall, and you get back again, you stand again, and you rise in the way God wants you to be and live. Amen. And so, <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, when I first came to Perth, some of you will know, I mean, to actually, <laughs> sorry, it's my own joke here, <laughs> to, to, 
to, I, I used to think, what the heck? The band is like playing and they're doing their thing. And it's like, they were like, like, like there were a few people raising their hands. Like everyone else like is a pot plant. You know? Look at so, <laughs> so, so it's, you know, it's great to have like excited people. Amen. Yes. Amen. Sorry, I just had a flashback. All right. So it's like my own private joke. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not just saying everybody was like that. Okay. But anyway, so he says, uh, let's go. Stand there for having girded your waist with truth, verse 14. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith. Shield of faith, why? And the sword of the Spirit, all right? The shield of faith, which will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So the point is this, the enemy's throwing fiery things at you all the time, against your mind, against your breastplate, everything. The thing that puts it out is the shield of faith. So unless you get your faith right, you know, so, well, pastor, I messed up. Well, faith says that Jesus will forgive me if I ask Him. That's faith. Uh, uh, oh, pastor, I, I, I'm, 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 I don't think I'm going to make it through this one. Faith says you can, you can rise, you can stand, that God is your source, that God will bring you through. That's faith. You take the shield of faith because those darts are coming at you all the time. Your, your life is not going to work out. Your future is not going to work out. You won't be blessed in your future. You won't get a spouse. You won't do this. You won't do that. That's a fire dot coming at you all the time. Now you're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to pick up the shield of faith and I'm going to extinguish those fiery darts and not allow them to control me and dominate me. Amen. And so, so what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to jump a couple of things here. But we know number one, as I said last week, we are seated in heavenly places. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places. Where are we seated? In heavenly places, right? That's what it says. And, and, and the reality is this, that number two, our body, uh, our authority is in the body of Christ. The authority that you and I carry is not in yourself. That's the danger. And the classic mistake that many people make, you know, people come, they say, I, I remember somebody saying to me, well, Pastor, I, I was, uh, 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 probably about three years ago, I was uh, fighting a principality and I was fighting a principality. I, I looked at the person, I thought, are you nuts? I haven't even fought a principality and you like, you can't even wake up properly in the morning. Right? So sometimes we, we become wacko with these things. God hasn't called you to fight principalities. He's called the body to stand together. And in standing together, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And together, we deal with the enemy. Come on, together we fight. Together we pray. Together we stand with our brother and our sister. When they're going through a hard time, we gather around them and we pray. We believe God with them. That's the power of the body of Christ. All the authorities not vested in one man or one woman. Never ever on planet Earth. And that's been the greatest tragedy tragedy of the church in this modern era that we thought has been vested in one man and one woman. I'll tell you now, the Moses era is over long time ago. God is raising His body and the authorities in the body. Amen. I say that boldly as a preacher because I have a revelation of the church. I do. It's the most amazing thing. <laughs> Amen. So our authorities in the body. Let's look at this. And then I want to get to the ladder quickly. It says, what is the exceeding greatness, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness, Ephesians 1, sorry. What, uh, what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, 
according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above, say far above. Far above all principality and power. Where is Jesus? Seated far above. Where are we? We are seated with Christ. You got that? Amen. And so far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, and He has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. So the Bible says that, that, that everything is under the feet of the church, not under one individual. Now that doesn't mean you don't carry authority, but when you understand the revelation and you have a revelation of the church, when you pray for somebody, you're understanding that you're praying with the power of the church. You're not alone. So when you deal with a demonic force, you know it's not just you. It's your brothers and sisters that are standing with you and praying with you and believing with you. That's why when you go pray for somebody with demonic issues, you call your brother and your sister. You say, come with me. Or you call other intercessors and you say, pray, because we got some stuff to do as the body of Christ. We're going to crush the devil's head. Come on. That's what the Bible says. We're going to crush him. It's the only way we're going to do this. And all I've seen in my life, and I've been in the ministry a long time, like 30-something years, longer than most of you have been alive. I'm not saying to brag, it's just a fact, amen. And I've seen people bury themselves because they've got into this area of warfare where it's just them and the devil. He'll take you out. Because the Bible even says, if you read the book of Jude, that, that not even the archangel Michael dared bring a Riley uh, uh, accusation against Satan. And even Michael, the archangel, said, the Lord rebuke you. Because he understood the authority. He understood these things. But the average charismatic has no idea about the authority of the devil and the authority of the body and where we stand. Amen. And it's why people end up in trouble. Good people, good Christians. Amen. So Ephesians 3 verse 10, let's look at this. And then we're going to get to some diagrams and the ladder. The ladder, some of you wonder why the ladder is here. Even I'm wondering why the ladder is here. So Ephesians 3, why is the ladder here? <laughs> Jacob's ladder, okay, it's true. Ephesians 3 verse 10, look at this. He says, to the intent that now, say now, all right, the manifold wisdom of God or the many-sided wisdom of God, because God's wisdom is many, the, the, the word is variegated, many-sided. Wisdom of God might be made known by the church. To who? To who? Look, you've got to get this. Look, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. That's us, right? The church. To who? to the principalities and powers. In other words, it's the church that has to demonstrate the manifold wisdom and power of God. You've got to get this. Because when you get this, you'll understand that when we pray, we pray from a dis different position. The principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. Say boldness. Not boldness, boldness. All right, some of you say boldness, but it's not. 
Oh, that, that must be your South African accent, right? <laughs> oh, you thought I said boldness. It's boldness. Amen. <laughs> hey, boldness, mate. All right. I got bold head here. <laughs> Amen. All right. So here we go. It says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. So yes, here's the thing. Let's put up the first diagram. First diagram. This is what we looked at last week. I've got four diagrams for you this week. There's a diagram there. All right. So yes, yes, yes. What yes? What we saw last week is that there's the principalities and powers. There's God, angels. There's a little red picture of the church with with uh, with question marks. And and below is the church pushing up. That's how many Christians have been living their Christian walk. They've been trying to push up against the principality and power. And that principality and power is pushing down. And that principality and power is exerting pressure because the Bible says that He's the God of this age. He's the God of the system. It's why people think in a certain way. When you talk to people now and they, they tell you that they've traveled over to Melbourne or somewhere else to the UK, they come back. I spoke to somebody this morning. They said, you know, it's like uh, we're living in a bubble here. You, you know what's happening? Is that people have a spiritual cabin fever. There's, an, uh, there's a spiritual force trying to oppress this whole state. Now we break that by lifting up our thinking by renewing our minds, by praying on a different level. But I'm not praying up. I'm not trying to deal with these principalities from the bottom up, where many Christians are. And if that's the way you're going to do it, you're not going to win. Because you're doing it from the wrong position. You're doing it from a position that is subservient to the devil. And I'm not subservient to the devil. And neither are you. Neither is the church. Come on. And so, have you got that? You can watch last week's one. Second one, listen, let's go to the second diagram. Yeah, is the second diagram. We've got that. Second diagram is, is God, angels. You see the world there and you see a ladder. Now that ladder is an Old Testament picture. And this is also how many people still operate in these days. So the Old Testament picture is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get to God and try to break through by my works, by the law, by all those things. That's an Old Testament picture. It's by what I do. That gives me the authority. It's not by what you do. But that's a mindset that people have. And so when, when it's time to lay hands on the sick, you think to yourself, oh man, I didn't pray this morning. Yeah, we know that. But just, uh, but just pray because you're not the healer Jesus is. But you see, when we think like that, then we're thinking, oh man, I, 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 well, I, I said this to my son. I, I, ooh, I didn't pray. I, I, I didn't pray an hour. I said I was going to pray an hour, but I only prayed 45 minutes. I don't think I'm good enough. That's the ladder that we're trying to deal with these principalities and powers. So when somebody needs healing, automatically you condemn yourself. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? How many people have condemned themselves when they, when they want to pray for somebody, but they're thinking, thinking to themselves, I, I'm not good enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Right? Uh, am I the only one who's ever thought like that? That's an Old Testament mindset. It's a works mindset. It's not a faith mindset. And that this mindset is trying to break through into the heavenlies, but it cannot. Amen. So 
That, that is an area when you know, when you start self-condemnation, then you know what you're doing. You're on a ladder that's going nowhere. I'm on a road to nowhere. Right? But we should be fighting from a place of authority. But let's, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at how Jesus actually did it. Remember when Jesus came, He did not come with new, with, with heavenly authority. He came and He operated as God's people should have operated. He came with the authority of the Word. He did not come with the authority of heaven. Listen to me. I know it sounds strange, but the Bible says He did not operate as God. He operated as a man using what God had said. Have you got this? you you got to get this, right? So, so let, let's go to Genesis chapter 28, and I'm going to show you about a ladder. So here's what happens. Uh, Jacob, you know Jacob the schemer? You know the guy who makes a plan all the time? None of you yet, right? <laughs> no Jacobs yet. Can I see the Jacobs yet, please? Only a few. Some of you are honest. Okay. <laughs> Only a few schemers here. Come on, let's. <laughs> come on, it's in our nature. The Jacob and the Israel is there. The schemer and the dreamer, right? And so, uh, uh, so he says. Uh, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heaven. And there, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. So Jacob dreamed of this ladder. Angels of God coming up and down this ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham and your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give you and your descendants. And no matter what the politicians say, that belongs to Israel. Amen. Just so you know. All right. Uh, you may not like my politics, then talk to God. Okay. But verse 16 says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Wow, wow. So he has a revelation. God is in this place. And it says in verse 17, And he was afraid. And he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Oh, you've got to get this. This is the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And he called the name of that place Bethel. It's not a music label. It's actually the house of God. Amen. The gate of heaven. Amen. And I love the music. So, But the name of that city had been loosed previously. And that Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I'm going and give me bread and to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord God, the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Oh, hallelujah. Before the law, right? Listen. When you, have an, when you have an encounter with God, the, the, the natural thing is you become generous to the house of God, right? So he says, I, I, I saw this ladder and I experienced the house of God. I experienced the gate of heaven. The result is I'm going to give to God. Look, I'll just be honest with you. Um, and I know, I know some people don't like to hear this. Look, you, you can't be a lover of God and be stingy. It just doesn't work. It's like, like polar opposites. Amen. God makes us generous. Amen. And sometimes we hold so tightly onto our money that, that, that the queen starts crying. You know, it's like, 
Is it tears coming out of the queen? <laughs> Amen. All right. But anyway, we won't, we won't go there. All right. But here's what happens. So we know that the ladder is reaching heaven. But let's look at what Jesus says. John chapter 1 verse 50. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Then he said to him, this is incredible. He says, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Put that, put that third diagram up. Here's what he says. Put it up. Is it there? Amen. Here's what he says. So Jacob dreams and he has a vision of God that this ladder has entered in heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending. And Jesus comes and he says, let me tell you now, from now on, you're going to see greater things than these. Because from now on, me, I am the ladder. Where I go, the angels of God are ascending and descending. Where I go, the heavens are open. Where I go, there's blessing. Where I go, the demons will cry out. Where I go, there's an access to heaven. Where I go, there's angels ascending and descending. I am the ladder to heaven. That's what he was saying. Oh, I tell you, if you get this revelation, and the greatest thing we can ever do is have Jesus on our side, is have Jesus with us, is have Jesus to take the steering wheel. Because when Jesus is with us, the ladder is there. Oh, I tell you, and the ladder goes all the way to heaven. Amen. The ladder goes all the way to heaven. Now I can go higher and higher and higher. Amen. But I want to tell you, this ladder reaches heaven because it's about Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You've got to get this. So if you understand one thing, Jesus said, where I go, that's where heaven is. So that's why when Jesus dealt with the demon, He was not afraid because heaven was there. The ladder was there and was all the force and authority from the heavenly places that actually dealt with the demonic issues. Amen. That's why the demons cried out when Jesus was there. Why? Because He was the ladder to heaven. In His, in His earthly authority, He understood that I carry the ladder of God. And, all, and ultimately, if we understand this one thing, whenever you face an issue, you've got to cast your mind back to this. Jesus said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. When you do spiritual warfare, the heavens are open. I'll tell you right now, the heavens are not closed. Church, if you think the heavens are closed, you're in trouble. If we don't understand that it is Jesus who opens the heavens, the devil cannot close the heavens. Amen. 
It's my disobedience that I walk away from God. But it's Jesus who has the ladder to heaven. That's why John 14 verse 6, Jesus says, He says, I'm the ladder. He says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, I tell you what, when you understand that, when you understand that there's this ladder, this ladder, this portal to heaven that is always open. Amen. And that's why when we, when we honour God with our finances, it's normal to do that. Because we carry the authority of heaven. We understand, oh God, I'm sowing my seed now. But Lord, I know that you're going to bless me because the heavens are open. Amen. The blessing of God is there. That's why the Bible says in, in, uh, about Jacob that he sowed in a land of famine. And in the land of famine, God blessed him a hundredfold. You find that in Genesis chapter 26. God blessed him because he understood. He had a revelation of the ladder. Now, he didn't know it was Jesus. He knows now. But church, if we can get this revelation, where I go, Jesus is. And where Jesus is, the heavens are open. The devil cannot shut it. The devil cannot shut Jesus down. All Jesus is looking for is somebody who will believe Him and trust Him. Amen. Throw up diagram four, the last diagram. I hope you're getting something tonight. And so I know we pray passionately and I really believe we need to pray passionately. I know we pray in tongues intensely and I believe we need to. Because there's nothing like fire. Because the sacrifice we give to God is one of fire. It's always got to come with fire. There's no passivity in the kingdom of God. God's not on a holiday. This is not a pleasure boat. It's not a pleasure cruise. This is a battleship. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't have fun. doesn't mean we don't laugh. It doesn't mean we don't joke. It doesn't mean that. But it means we understand that, 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 that God is on our side and He's not backing down. It's diagram four. Here's the real deal. And what we looked at last week. Have we got it up there? So here we are. The church. We are seated in heavenly places. Where is the church? Seated in heavenly places because Jesus is the ladder. We're already there. So when you pray, how do you pray? When you fight, how do you fight? Are you fighting from the top down? Are you exerting pressure on the enemy? So when you pray, the Bible says, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelations that when the saints pray, it's, uh, 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 the angels take those prayers of the saints and mix it with fire. And they cast it down to the earth. They cast it where does the angel do it from? From above here. So when the saints pray, when the saints what? When they pray, what do, what do the angels of God do? They take those prayers and they mix it with fire and they cast it down. They cast it down. I'll tell you what, we will cause destruction of the enemy's camp if we begin to pray like that. And when we begin to pray, we say, oh God, we pray for our nation. We pray, God, for a move of your spirit. We pray, oh God, that you bring deliverance 
lost a nation, save our nation, oh God. Oh, in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray that the minds and the hearts of people will be shifted and changed and, and dealt with. Oh God, we bind every demonic force. I'll tell you what happens. The enemy uh, 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 suddenly sees his bolts and, of, of lightning coming for him. What are those lightnings? The Bible tells us that it's the lightnings from heaven that the angel mixes with the fires of the altar of God with the prayers of the saints and throws it down and chucks it at the enemy. Oh, I tell you what, we need to make, make some big nuclear prayer bombs and begin to pray like never before. Pray from the place of authority. Amen. We're not on the losing side. Never have been. Unfortunately, people have thought like that. You know why people wear out? You know why people wear out? Go to the second diagram. You know why people wear out? Number two. No, sorry, number one. <laughs> well, but number two will work as well. Go to number one. Here's why people wear out. Because you're fighting this, yeah. You're fighting it from beneath. You're fighting it there. You know why the pressure gets too much? Because that's where you're fighting it. You know why you can't bear it? Because that's where you're fighting it. You say, Pastor, I messed up. Doesn't matter. Get back up. Climb that ladder. Amen. Jesus is the ladder. Get back up. Amen. I'll tell you what, the enemy is not going to wear you down because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eager. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we learn to wait upon the Lord and in the presence of God, we get refreshed and we say, God, I need you. I love you. I worship you. Get the touch of heaven. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 as we start winding down. I, I, I hope you get this tonight. I'm condensing a lot of stuff into a, a small, a little space of time. But I pray you get this revelation. This is not just a teaching to think, oh, we have some uh, knowledge. I don't need you to get knowledge. I need you to get revelation knowledge. To say, Lord, this is going to cause me to pray. And when I pray, <laughs> something's going to change. It's why Satan hates it when the saints pray. He hates it. Because when saints get a revelation, when, when we get a revelation of prayer, our righteousness in Christ, who we are, we understand that, that, that we pray. And we understand at the same time, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says that, that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. And not only are we praying, but right now, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus is interceding for you and I. Listen to me. And yeah, that's the amazing thing. So even if your prayers fail, there's somebody else making intercession for you. There's somebody else praying for you that you're not going to fail. And I love what the Lord Jesus says to, to, to people. Peter, just before Peter betrays him, he says, Peter, he says, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you return, when you make right, strengthen your brethren. I'll tell you right now, some of you think, man, I've messed up. I'll tell you right now, you may have messed up, but Jesus is praying for you that your faith will not fail. You may mess up, but your faith will not fail. And Jesus says, when you get back up again, go and bless other people, go and strengthen other people, go and help other people, go and bless other people. Come on, that's, the, that's what we do as God's people. This is warfare. So when you get this, you and I 
are this walking, living, breathing warfare machine. That's who we are. So when you pray, you pray with the authority of heaven, with the authority of the body of Christ. You can sit at home tonight and pray. Oh God, I pray for the church. I pray for a move of God. Then you get this. Uh, you get this. You realize, hey, it's not just me. I'm in heavenly places and I'm praying with the authority of God and the authority of the Word and the authority of the body of Christ. I'm praying on a different level. It's a different level. That's why Romans, uh, Romans 8 says we, he, that, that, that these groanings which even cannot be uttered, that's why sometimes we pray in the Spirit because it's on a different level. It's, it's so deep. It's so, and there are people who are intercessors like that. And I want to encourage those. Don't give up. I don't care what other people think. They may think you're crazy. That's okay. You know, Uncle Sid in South Africa is Pastor Arts. Father-in-law, great man of God. He's prayed for years and years and years. He would pray two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Pray. You know, I love it when people come to me and say, we're praying for you because I need prayer. I do. I don't know about you, but I do. But he would pray and pray and pray and pray. Raise up intercessors around him. And you know, Uncle Sid, an amazing man. But you know, he was, he was eccentric. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You'll have to put two masks on with that. Because <laughs> the one's not working. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You know I love you. Amen. So, all right. Listen, Uncle Sid would pray. And he would, you know, he'd say, let's birth. And he would pray. And he would begin to groan in the spirit. And, you know, and he'd say, Clive, I'm praying for you. Come on, birth. And he'd pray, and he'd pray. But I want to tell you what, it may have seemed strange to many people, but when Uncle Sid prayed for you, something happened, something changed. And that's what we need in the body of Christ is those who are able to shift the heavenlies and shift the spirit realm and birth revival. We need people to pray in this nation, in this city, to birth revival. Come on, they pray this through. Because sometimes we think it's about the man of power for the hour. No, it's not. It's about those faithful saints who are pushing and they birthing and they birthing and they oh and they praying. Oh, Clive, I'm praying for you. That's what we need. Amen. Because that's praying from heaven's authority. Hebrews 4 says this. The band can come up now. It says, seeing that we have a great high priest. I want you to see that. Seeing that we have a great high priest. You know, God's trying to let us know we're not doing this by ourselves. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has 
What does it say? Passed through the heavens and open up the way. Amen. You got to get this. Seeing as though we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. <laughs> Let us hold fast our confession. Stop saying what you're experiencing. Hold fast your confession. Who is Jesus? For we do not say we do not. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You say, Pastor, was, the, was Jesus tempted like me? Yes, He was, but without sin. That's why He understands. And that's why He's able to pray. That's why He's opened up the way through His blood. And, he, and the Word says, let us, say let us. Come on, let us therefore come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, uh, obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Where is the throne of grace? It's the heavenlies above the principalities and powers. And the Bible says that we come boldly to the throne of grace. The devil has no access there. You have a direct access through the ladder who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You have direct access. So it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't come whimpering. You don't come in defeat. You come boldly. You say, Pastor, what happens if I sin? That's why you got to come boldly. Well, Pastor, what happens if I failed? That's why you come boldly. Because it's His grace. It's a throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. I, I want you to know that. There's a day that Jesus will sit on the throne of judgment. There's a day coming where He will judge all of mankind. It's coming. But right now, for the church, it's a throne of grace. Only for the church. That's why we have a responsibility to bring people into His church to experience the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren and sisters, Amen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, having what? Boldness. Say boldness. Hebrews 10 verse 19. You can throw it up there. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, having boldness, to enter the holy, holiest by the blood of Jesus. Where is the holiest? The holiest is the heavens above the principalities and powers. The holiest is where the church actually resides. The holiest is where we are. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, God tells us, we come with boldness into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Yes, we don't deserve the holiest, but He made us holy by His blood. So I want to ask you tonight, what is the biggest dream that you think God cannot fulfill? Come with boldness to the holy place. Start praying 
from the authority that you have from your heavenly place. Start praying. When you deal with sickness, you deal with it from the heavenlies. Amen. I actually spoke to one of the gentlemen this morning. He, uh, him and his wife were here. Being, they, they're members of the church. Been coming for the last while. And a couple of weeks ago, he had a stroke. And uh, lost sight in his one eye. And he said, he said to me this morning, Pastor, he said, he said, he said, you know what? As you moved, I haven't been able to see for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. He says, as you moved on the stage, I saw you in my eye. My eye could see half of it I could see I could see I want to tell you right now is that we believe for healing not from our vantage point but from heaven's vantage point we believe for breakthrough while we are worshipping why? because it's heaven touching people amen it's not from us cutting ourselves and ripping our clothes off and cutting and, and screaming and pulling our hair out it's none of that it's a, from, a, from a heavenly vantage point that we actually when we worship our focus is heaven our focus is not ourselves. Our focus is Jesus. And where Jesus is, heaven is there. The gate is there. The ladder is there. That's where healings take place. Yes, you may not feel like you're the greatest. I'll tell you what, who is the greatest? Who has all authority? His name is Jesus. And when we get back up there, because every time we get off this ladder, every time we come down and we leave it, we're just vulnerable. And we get back under those principalities and powers. I'm calling you tonight to have boldness tonight. To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Come on, I want us to stand to our feet tonight. We're going to just worship a little bit. They want to pray. I trust you've got this. I trust you can, maybe one of the ushers can come take this. Amen. I trust you get this tonight. It's time to get back. Time to get back to where you should be. Maybe you've climbed down the ladder. Or maybe you've just been under. Maybe you've been doing your works and thinking it's going to work. But it's time to come with boldness in the holy place. The Bible says, I love that scripture. Let us, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So who has need here tonight? Who has a need that you know that needs to be answered? Who's got a need in your personal life? You've got a need in, in your finances. You've got a need in your business. You've got a need in your relationships. You have a need. Then we're going to come tonight, not from a place of defeat, but from a place of authority. And we're going to walk with boldness into the holy place. And we're going to make our case and state our case. And no matter what the devil says, we're going to say, devil, you're under my feet. You're under my feet. And maybe the devil is harassing you. Maybe the devil's attacking your family. Maybe he's attacking your life. Then tonight you come with boldness into the holy place. And you say, God, I'm giving you a prayer right now. And I'm asking you to send your angels with flames of fire and to throw lightnings down and cause destruction of the enemy's camp. That's why when we speak the Word of God, it causes destruction of the enemy's camp. That's why when you operate from a different mindset and a different faith, it causes destruction of the 
enemies can place. I believe that in these days we can have great victories in our lives, in our families, in our state, in our nation. I believe it's a time for great miracles. But we're going to have to change where we're operating from. And I just believe it's as simple as this, as Jesus made it. Come boldly to the throne of grace.